Hey everybody, welcome into the Woody Hayes Athletic Center for a special edition of the Podcast Daily for a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Why it's it's Wednesday. special though. Because we're in the Woody, bright and early. That's right. Just Th- finished breakfast. Does the stock watch? I thought there was a lot to learn from Jim Knowles and Brian Hartline on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Deaf. Most and then deaf. if you want to tie that in with a, a stonk watch, you can, but you don't have to because there's still going to be more episodes this week. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, don't force it. Okay. Just come to, you know, whatever you learned. Is on Natural. Like That's on right. Natural, yeah, definitely. Right. Are we going French again today? We. Oui. <laughs> That's Bill Anditz and the Frenchman, Jeremy Birmingham. <laughs> uh, I am Austin Ward. So uh, in high school, uh, a French class, we had to pick different names, you know, to, to be in class. Uh-huh. And mine was Raoul. Did you pick that? Yeah. Raul Birmingham. I don't know why, but I just like... I like... Because it, I is Raul a French name? I don't know. Doesn't seem... I think it wasn't spelled R-A-U-L. It was There was an O in there also. Huh. That sounds French. Yeah. We're off to a flying start. What did you learn? I learned about Raul. That when Perm was in school, they had to pick their own names in French class. Well, <laughs> we did that in Latin, too. I was Maximilianus. See, I, had, I took Latin for three years. We didn't do that. Oh, wow. I don't know what I would have been. I probably just would have been Bill. Well, we are we were a Latin factory out in Casper, Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you. I went to Catholic school. Listen, we, we, we know our Latin. Gotcha. Uh, what did I learn Football, today? yeah. Football, 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 football. Um, people people will like this. Jim Knowles was asked about uh, several, several different questions about the Jack position, which I think on their own are interesting. But in one of those questions... Uh, he talked about Mitchell Melton and how he is waiting for Mitchell to get healthy because he wants to bring that package back and, and fall camp. And then unprovoked, mm-hmm. he said, I'm also looking at CJ Hicks in that spot uh, and want to see what he can do in that position come the fall. Not now. Now is about linebacker fundamentals, uh, getting really good running with the, the two slash ones for CJ. But come fall, sounds like there'll be a little bit more on Mr. Hicks's plate. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding you. Where would he get that know? idea from? Probably from the last time we talked to him when he was asked specifically, <laughs> can C.J. Hicks play the jack position? And he just remembered it. I can't believe that he hadn't thought about that before. Or do you think that he said that just so we would stop bringing it up? Uh, no, I think he like wants to talk about it. I think he likes it. Um, I just think he remembered. He's like the, <laughs> he's like the Raptors in Jurassic Park. The Norse remembers. <laughs> uh, I think that it's clear, and you know, Bill, you had mentioned on the Tuesday Daily that you were really curious about the fundamental existence of the Jack. And mm-hmm. Jim Knowles was, I, I, you could almost tell it hurt him to say it, but he said, if it doesn't work for this team, then we won't do it. And uh, that clearly is not what he wants for his defense. It's not what he's made his money. You know, it's not why he's at Ohio State. Uh, but he said, hey, you know, we have the best defensive line coach in America. We have linebackers that could do a lot of different things. Sometimes it's hard to just force yourself to take these guys off the field. Um, and he said, if it, if it makes sense for the Buckeyes, we'll do it. If it doesn't, we won't. So I, that to me is the side of a mature coach and a guy that really understands the assignment and realizes we're going to put the best players out there regardless of what my scheme says. Yeah, I think I still think long-term he wants to recruit to that position, and he did kind of mention that. He wants to try to find a, a guy who can do all that stuff, but he was also open to the idea of if they bring in a really good traditional defensive end who's interested in it, they can work with that too. I just think he's he's not pigeonholing himself. Um, 
I asked him, my question was, is the jack position a non-negotiable? And he said, nothing's a non-negotiable, which might be a double negative. But uh, he said that that's what he, his point was that he is not coming in here with, like, we have to do these things in order to have a good defense. He is willing to take the talent that is on hand and craft a good defense out of that, which is the job of every any coordinator anywhere in college football or pro football or any level of football. So um, we'll see how it, how it transpires. I still think they're going to try it. Once Mitchell is fully healthy and he watched him on practice uh, on when Tuesday, what's day? Today, well, today's today's Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. On Tuesday, um, he was moving around really well, so I think he's making the progress they want to see from him, and then we'll see what CJ can do. But um, he at least left the door open to like no Jack at all, if if that's what it comes to. Yeah, nothing being non-negotiable means everything is up for debate. So that's happened with Ohio State and Jim Knowles talking about, you know, maybe using a third corner more often, however they figure out what they want to do in, you know, third downs or dime packages. I think they're, Jim Knowles is open to different ideas about how they do that. And, you know, we're seeing a little bit of that with, with safety. I don't know, you know, you, you asked about this and you were curious about Josh Proctor and how you decide whether he, sh- where he should play, where Lathan Ransom winds up, what that means for Sonny Styles. And again, I don't want to, beat this dead horse and the same thing but like it's it's a tribute to josh proctor that he's making that conversation uh more difficult if that's the right word for it for ohio state that he you know he's got some consistency going he's got some maturity going uh and if he knows what his assignment is and you can do, go do it like that's the easiest way to unleash his athleticism you know there's still a long way to go this was again just practice number six and um these these pieces can change but you know, I think there's a lot to like right now about Ohio State's defensive backs. Uh, and then you include, you know, Davis and Egmanosin being that third and what Jordan Hancock and, and a, a really impressive Denzel Burke, who I thought on Tuesday morning, like just the way he's moving, the, the energy that he's even showing during stretching is not, it's not the same as what we saw a year ago. That's all really positive stuff for Ohio State in the secondary. Yeah. And it's never a problem when you have too many good players. Like, <laughs> it, it, believe me, like the opposite is far worse. If you have not enough good players, that's a much bigger problem. Right. There are a number of safeties, and the thing is, we look at him, and Josh has been on the roster for six years, and, and it's it's been a little bit hit and miss for him. But you know, Cam Martinez is in his fourth year at Ohio State already, which is insane to me to, to even consider. They grow up so fast. Lathan Ransom, same thing. Like these guys have been here a long time, so. The, the, it's the opportunity is there. The you know uh, experience is now getting there, and Jim Knowles talked about it. I, I, I briefly had a conversation with Perry Eliano also, and they they said the same thing about Cam Martinez. It's confidence, and it doesn't mean that you know uh, Jihad Carter won't be able to play at times or be on the field or push him, but at some point, all these guys have to know that there's no such thing as a guaranteed job at Ohio State. You are going to have to earn it every single day, and for now. That iron sharpens iron adage has been a real boost to that secondary because you can see, as you said, like all these guys are moving around with just a little bit different pace and intensity. Yeah, I think you look at the group as a whole, you feel really good about what they have. And, and the thing that <clears throat> sort of crystallized for me today and, and has really been a talking point of Jim Knowles all along and, and maybe me personally has just sort of like I've choose to ignore it. They are not. They are not so much. <laughs> that's not. It's, it is, but it's. You know. <laughs> They're not so much concerned with like where on the board they're moving the pieces they're just like concerned about the pieces like they're just it's all about development and competition and like seeing who rises to the top and then they'll figure out how to deploy things like and he said like this is not the t- he used the word schemey this is not the time of year to be schemey that comes in the summer that comes in, in in fall camp when they're trying to figure out like okay Sonny Styles has checked all these boxes he's ready to go how do we use them everyone's still checking all those boxes so like 
we talk a lot about like what's this depth chart going to look like is Lathan Ransom not blocking Sonny Styles and at some point I think we do have to have those conversations I just think at the moment they're a little premature sort of everyone's playing everyone's trying to get better and then they'll figure out the rest when they get closer to the Indiana game and, and figure out matchups but in the meantime they have I don't know close to a dozen guys I think down that secondary they can feel pretty good about it was a similar thing that Brian Hartline pointed out like they're not scheming up against each other they're not necessarily trying to win with anything other than fundamentals and checking those boxes that you mentioned, Bill. I spent most of my time with Brian Hartline, so uh, if there's anything else to wrap up that you wanted over there with the defense berm, feel free to do so. No, I mean, I just, I mean, we've said it before. I just really like listening to Jim Knowles talk. He did say um, Jihad Carter is at nickel now, but they view him as a guy that can play all three spots. I think Lathan Ransom is probably a guy they view similarly. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, I also enjoyed hearing from this uh this version of Brian Hartline, who seemed amused by our attention on the play calling situation. Uh, I think it's instructive to learn about it. And in, certainly we want to inform as much as we can. And he gets that part. But I think by the time he was asked about the 15th, <laughs> 15th time about, you know, having on the headset and how much was script based and how much wasn't, I, that was my question early on. I think that sort of wrapped it up. Like, they did more in that last team period that was not scripted, not designed beforehand to let Brian Hartline get through it and, and work through, uh, you know, his development. He he doesn't want to talk about going to Indiana and what that's going to look like, and that's not his place to do so anyway. He's that's that's the head coach, his boss's decision what they're going to actually do. It does seem very clear where this is going, like. Ryan Day's not going to take six practices and not call any plays in the spring just for fun. Like yeah. they are preparing Brian Hartline for that. And, you know, whether people trying to figure out how, what is he learning about himself as a play caller? Like what does he, what does he want to do? What personnel does he want to use all the time? Like that is not a conversation <laughs> Brian Hartline is willing to have. And it's also one that is still going to be dictated by his boss. That's important to remember. They're all learning uh, how this works. And you could clearly see Brian Hartline. Uh, he's funny when he's out in these media sessions because he says a lot more than most coaches say. But you can always tell there's something he wants to say, which is shut up. <laughs> well, he, he, he pretty much did that a couple times but, today. <laughs> uh, you know, for, for Brian Hartline, I, I'm just interested more in the balance between the offensive play caller and offensive coordinator and his receivers because – there is such an important year in process right now for that room that I'm curious as to how much the second year guys are potentially impacted by that. I know Devin Jordan obviously is, is here to help uh, as, as his assistant wide receivers coach and they're using still Keenan Bailey in roles and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. there are eight receivers coming on this roster, nine receivers on this roster by summer when, when Brandon Ennis gets here that are really in a pivotal year. And one of those, Jaden Ballard, who we've talked a lot about, like if we're going to turn this into a mini stonk watch, I'm gonna, I want people to like tap the brakes on Jaden Ballard. Mm. Just a skosh. You know? No, 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 I won't <laughs> He's do talking it. to us. <laughs> I, I just think that it's important to realize that there are still... He didn't say America. <laughs> Marvin Harrison, Emeka Ibuka, Julian Fleming, Xavier Johnson are the first four receivers for Ohio State and are going to be. And Brian Hartline kind of tapped around it a little bit, tiptoed. Until Jaden Ballard is able to do everything that those guys do and not just run fast in a straight line, which he's very good at, 
then he's going to have a difficult time pushing those guys for playing time. And I think people need to, you know, just pump the brakes just just a little. Now, there's obviously a role for that guy. It's I was going to say, can he can he just go out there? And run but if the you put line? him out there and you know that's what he's doing, then it's it's not exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm going to venture to guess that he's faster than the guy that's lined up across from him, and he'll be okay. <laughs> Maybe I just think it's in the workout hurry for Jamison Williams. <laughs> I, I think for Brian Hartline, though, it's pretty clear he wants his receivers to be fully developed wide receivers. Jamison yeah. Jamison yeah. Williams was great at Alabama, but that's because he just went out there and ran straight, and. That's what he does best. Now, obviously, Hartline's goal with his receivers is a little different. Yeah, I, that's similar to me, like the tight end conversation. Like, I get it. Like, holistic development is very important, but why do you have to wait till the end to actually I, I don't utilize the things you. that guys are good at in, in the meantime? I don't know. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. It seems I like just, you're doing I yourself just, a disservice. I just think that there is going to have to be a conversation when these other four receivers are playing. And we're seeing, even today, the, the little stretch or Tuesday, the little stretch period that we saw in the, the first four periods, Jaden Ballard does some things and he looks pretty, pretty good. Yep. But again, we're not seeing the full picture at the position. Yeah, I don't, I don't like he's not going to play ahead of Marvin. Like Marvin and Emeka are going to play every single meaningful rep for Ohio State at, at the receiver position and they should. But I don't know. This seems to me like if Jaden Ballard is doing some of the things we saw in practice and granted, we don't see every second of every single practice. We're not in meetings. There's more to it than just what happens on the field. Um, to me, it feels like there should be an opening for him. Like Julian Fleming was very good for them last year in the role that he was put in, but he wasn't like, oh, we can't take that guy off the field. Like he, he can does have Jaden does have some freaky attributes. I mean, you wrote about one of the catches at Ohio State at Rebels.com on, on Tuesday when we were, you know, breaking down the practice. But there was one moment in here where the ball on a punt hit the rafters and full speed he was running and caught it on a bounce off the rafter out the rafters, and it was like didn't even think about it. Yeah. And like that that's little things like that are just crazy to watch and you realize how different these guys are. Yeah, we it's a situation where there's a new component to talk about for the Ohio State offense. And I think Brian Hartline's his his overall point, not necessarily specific to Jaden Ballard, but like any any other rising talent on offense, Brian Hartline did want to like talk a lot about them becoming a starter or trying to carve out a role for them. He, the point for him was like, did Ohio State not score a lot of touchdowns last year? Mm. Like, are most of those guys back? Uh, is Julian Fleming going to have two healthy shoulders for the first time in like eight years? Like, those are the people that he wants to keep the focus and the attention on. And I understand that. That's been his approach, not just now, not just with Jaden Ballard, but going back to Garrett Wilson or going back to, you know, anybody else, Chris Olave, like until you earn it and until that becomes a real thing that you are a starter or you must be in the rotation, then some of the praise is going to be tempered. Now, he did say that Jaden Bauer has come a long way. So that where he is right now is where he probably should have been six months ago. And then he would have seen the field more and helped Ohio State at wide receiver last year. So there's sort of that, again, it's even that is a little bit of coach speak. But it was it served as a reminder that like guys burnt to use Berm's point, like tap the brakes. It's just not a, just a little. Just yeah. a skosh. I like in that position too, like it's the highest of standards. So like I I understand that. And if that's how they viewed it 
and he is now where he should have been last year. And if he was here, he would have been on the field. Then that's like a window into like, okay, they're seeing a long-term vision here where he can be on the field in the fall. So long as he keeps stacking these days that he's had up to this point in spring practice. And that's on Jaden. Like it's not, you don't have one good scrimmage in front of us and us are talking about you like you've made it. Like that's not how it works here, especially for a guy like Brian Hartline. Like he has, he has the luxury of, of putting that bar way up here because of how good his room is. If you are playing a lot at Ohio State, then you have to be a leader on this team. And, and is Jaden emerging as a leader in the wide receiver group? Probably not yet, but he also doesn't really need to. But the guys who are going to play are the guys who rise and become leaders without needing to, and they just do it naturally. I mean, we saw how many how many times have we been in here at the conclusion of a practice in the last however many years? Fairly regularly, right? A lot. A lot of times. Too many to count. Have you ever <laughs> seen what we saw on Tuesday? No, no. Not once. Nope. So there's a little powwow. We walk in and there's a powwow with Ryan Day in the middle and what, 15, 16 guys yeah, about on the team that are gathered around him. I want to say 12 to 14. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty like uh, urgent. Influential meeting. Yeah, it seemed like the leadership committee was deciding to have a, a you know post-practice uh, powwow with the head ball coach. And... Uh, we don't we didn't get to hear what it was about. I mean, all I saw was Cade Stover being animated, and which is rare for him when he shows emotion. But when he does, it's generally anger. Uh, <laughs> and, and this was the uh, th- that's what it looked like. And you saw a real a group of guys who were. I think everyone understands there's a lot of talent, but talent doesn't mean anything if you don't have the ability to step up when things are going haywire, or maybe you didn't have the best practice, at, or or whatever the case was. But it felt different. I, I had never seen that before. No, I, I wasn't like, just to be clear, like they weren't gathered around Ryan Day, like yeah, <laughs> yelling at him. It was a conversation, but yeah. like I, I've never, like you see, sometimes I think they meet in like unit groups and in the last couple of years, they've split that. There's like offense and defense in the same unit. We've definitely seen that. We've seen small position groups. I've never seen the guys, like if you're to make a list of the 12 or 14 players that you would choose the captains, the captains that's who it was. And, you know, not for nothing, Kyle McCord was, was in that group too. Oh, oh really? <laughs> yeah. Just, I wonder what that might mean. I don't Let's know. make way too much out of something <laughs> that we don't know what they were even talking Maybe about. Maybe he just like showed up. He wanted to you know, just eavesdrop. What are you guys talking about in here? I, <laughs> what are we I, getting for lunch today? The, the quarterbacks spent a lot of extra time on Tuesday after practice. Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, and Tristan Jebbia all spent a, probably a half hour extra yeah. throwing, rolling out, doing drills. And then hung out and, and sat on the bench over there and talked to amongst themselves for another 25 minutes. Just... It's cool to see these guys, like, you know, realizing that as one guy goes, pretty much the entire group is going to go. And uh, it's clear that right now, Kyle seems to be elevating. I've seen Kyle McCord do that after every practice that we've been in here. On Saturday after the scrimmage, in fact, it was him and Jaden Ballard that were getting extra throwing sessions. He said Jaden Ballard. Jaden Ballard. Today it was Bennett. I was trying to. I mean, Tuesday. I was trying to say it so that Berm wouldn't tell me to stop mentioning that same thing. That's exactly the thing that Ballard has to do. To become in that conversation, right? I think that there is a, I said it on Saturday, I've said it in other shows, like there's a real sense that Kyle McCord is putting his stamp on this for it to become his team. Being part of the leadership group, that leadership committee, A, I mean, somebody from the quarterback room has to do that, and he's the oldest one in there, so by default. Yeah, Tristan Jibby is 39. Well, (laughs) He's the most experienced inside this program. Ah, How about that? Semantics. You, you did, yeah, you did make a great point about that. <laughs> he's the he's the one who should be doing that. 
doesn't mean that he's the starter necessarily because we've seen other Ohio State quarterbacks be that voice and not necessarily be guaranteed anything when it comes to playing time, namely JT Barrett for one year. But all the signs and all the trends are going to that one direction, and that's the number six. Story of my life. And that's to Raul. That's Raul Birmingham. <laughs> you said one direction, and so I just started. You guys like one direction? I think their music's pretty good. I think they're like the I think they're the best boy band we've had ever. Yeah, get out of here. Yeah, I do. Uh, they're pretty good. I uh, think they combine all the best elements of all the great boy bands. Maybe not the dancing. Maybe not the dancing. Well, I think that's probably the best thing about them. No, but they like the songs. The, the yeah, the songs and the the vocal uh, arrangements. Arrangements. Yeah, quite good. Yep. I'm Way there. more bangers than like Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. Like a ton. Well, of I mean, it's a different era. Way more bangers than Backstreet is not a claim that anyone can make. What's funny is that Austin actually is Team Backstreet over in Sync. So am I. Really? Yeah. But then I'm Team One Direction overall. Yeah. Yeah. But can't get I, because in right. Sync burned out far too quickly, they didn't. They because didn't they have the flew too close to Icarus. the sun. I think that yeah. I think in Sync's ceiling was much higher. Justin Timberlake is our I, generation's Frank Sinatra. Yeah, and like I don't he's think he's the singularly could, most talented of. Yeah, he couldn't be contained by yeah. NSYNC. I'm not. You and I have talked. Obviously, they had this conversation before. In <laughs> sync ceiling is the highest of they, all. They of them. were out of sync because he was so talented. Yeah, the rest of them stunk. <laughs> we're talking to you, that other guy whose name I don't know. Well, you had JC. You had JC Chazé right there. He tried to go solo; didn't quite work for him. <laughs> then you had Lance Bass, Joey Fatone, Chris, right? Chris hot dogs now, right? Chris Kirkpatrick, yeah, fat ones. Fat ones and, hot dogs. and Joey Fat Ones. <laughs> Love that. Like you had. That's really had a pretty it's steep. Like Justin Timberlake and four plumbers. That's what that band was. <laughs> Whoa. Let's, that is let's be a little bit kinder to JC, okay? Okay. Come on. Fine. He's unnecessary. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being a plumber, by the way. I can't be a plumber. I have to pay someone a lot of money to come to my house, to go to my house and, and plumbing work. I just don't want them on my boy bands. And Backstreet didn't have that problem because they didn't have anyone capable of being a solo artist. So they were always focused no, on making on the band. great yeah. five-man harmony music. But One Direction had the harmony of a great group and has produced, in my opinion, two excellent Solos. solo acts yeah. with Harry Styles and Mal Horn. Yeah, it's hard to beat that. I think they've I think they won this competition. <laughs> Winner! <laughs> anyway, that's what happened on Tuesday at Ohio State football practice. Yeah. If you made it to the end, congratulations, <laughs> and we're sorry. We, I didn't I'm think not, that was going to happen. I'm not sorry. You're <laughs> I'm never sorry. Never predict where it's going to (laughs) go. Berm starts by going into a French name, and Bill, of all people, decides that we're going to pop group. He never hijacks it to make us go off the rails, but that's how you know. We should dedicate an entire show to this. We have all summer. Okay. We have the off-season. Great. We will. Get your power rankings ready. Let us know where you stand on the great 1D Backstreet Boys in-sync argument. Maybe if you want to throw O-Town in there. I don't know. You definitely don't. (laughs) Oh, my God. Don't try to make O-Town happen. Or the all-time greats, LFO, which is another. (laughs) All right. Hang up. Time to go. Some real ones. That's Bill and Berm. Don't shake your head at me. LFO. More like GTFO. (laughs) H. Thanks for joining us on the podcast daily. It is definitely Wednesday. Hope you have a great rest of your day. A lot more coverage coming to Buckeyes practice on Thursday and scrimmage on Saturday. We'll have coverage of that at ohiostate.rivals.com. And, of course, right here on the podcast. Uh, Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you then.